0: Hello, welcome to God's Word in 30 minutes today, um, another time in God's Word. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for the word that brings clarity and strength to our hearts. We receive insight and revelation into your word, scales falling off our hearts, light falling the same hearts as the scales fall off in our hearts, established and strengthened in all of your will. Amen. Amen. Alright, so we're looking at the Christian and his Bible. Let's try and tie it together and then move on to something else. <laughs> I think it's about time we did that. We have said a few things. We have said that the Bible is the book wherein the Christian's strongest conviction is found. And so because of that, it's expected that all of his strongest convictions are found from the Bible. You understand what I mean by that? Um what Jude calls our most holy faith, all right, our strongest conviction is from the scriptures that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day, and um, rose again to give us eternal life, and all of that information. Jude calls it our most holy faith, and that's from the scriptures. And so we said that our most, our strongest convictions, therefore, should be from the scriptures. We went on to say a few other things, how that the scriptures um, are. Centered around the person of Christ, how the scriptures were given for our learning, and on and on and on and on. And so, today we just want to pick it up from there, basically. So back to Second Timothy and chapter three and verse sixteen, where we've been looking at Second Timothy three sixteen. Okay, I'm right there now. Uh, I'll start from verse 14. but we must continue the things which you've learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, or so from childhood rather, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we have said that the Scriptures are for our learning. All right, so the last time that we began to lay an emphasis on the fact that God wants his thoughts to be known, and that's why he gave us the scriptures. God wants to be known, God wants his person to be known, God wants his plans to be known, God wants his ideas to be known, God wants his thoughts to be known, God wants his will to be known, and that's why he gave us the scriptures. And by giving attention to what is written in the scriptures, and by implication the writing of the apostles in the epistles we would find out the will the plan the purpose the intent of god for our lives and for our day and i said that even though we that live today were not the audience intended in the writings of moses and the writings of the prophets in the psalms and in the writings of the epistles we were not the audience intended i know when you read ephesians it was listening to the church of Ephesus. i said that the last time God always ensured that all those things were kept and preserved for us because His word is true in every dispensation and in every generation. All right. And so we, we delved into the book of Hebrews and Hebrews in chapter one, where we looked at the Son being the inheritor of all the things that are spoken of by the prophets. And I just want to be tabernacle there a bit today. That the scriptures, if you go, go back to Second Timothy in chapter three, in verse 14. in verse 15 it says from childhood you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in christ jesus so the salvation is through faith in christ jesus i take that again the salvation is through faith in christ jesus that is key it means that the central personality or the central person or the the being that we find at the center. At the, at, at work in all of what the scriptures really is trying to communicate is Christ the Son of God. Christ the Son of God. So the scriptures we say are a book. I, I always keep asking myself is a book or is a book or are books. The scriptures are books written around the person of Jesus, around the person of the Christ, which obviously is Jesus? The Scriptures are books written around the person of Christ, and so in Luke twenty-four, you find Jesus after He rose from the dead, and He met His disciples, and He said, "O fools and slow of to believe all that the prophet had spoken! Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory?" And beginning at Moses, I'm reading from, I'm quoting from verse forty-five. Beginning at Moses and all and the prophets, and in all the Scriptures, He expanded unto them, in all the Scriptures, the things concerning Him, and He said. Thus it was written, and thus it be of Christ to suffer these things, and to rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Then he asked them to tarry in Jerusalem to ascend the promise of the Father upon you. But you see, all of that, Jesus said that the things that were written concerning him. In other words, my key, the key that unlocks the scriptures, the key that opens the scriptures up to me, is when I recognize that in all the many things that were said, and the many things that were written, the focus or the central team, the central personality, the real reason why all of these things were documented is to the end that I would understand the salvation work of the Christ. I'll take that again. The reason all of these things were documented is to the end that I, reading the scriptures today, would understand the salvation work of the Christ in john and chapter five we saw this the last time just going back to it again john and chapter five john and chapter five john and chapter five thank you lord jesus you see his joy is enough his joy is enough in the midst of the chaos that you see his joy is enough You already said that in this world will face tribulations but cheer up he has overcome the world so his joy is enough so let the let the bitterness and the anger and the anxiety leave let the let the fear and the and the 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 uncertainty leave right his joy is enough praise god john and chapter five we saw this the last time just going back over it again how that jesus you know the Pharisees came to Jesus and said that he was giving witness to himself, and so his witness was not true. So I want you to see something in verse in verse one. You saw in verse thirty one of John five. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet you do, yet I do not receive the testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. In other words, Jesus is saying that you, I don't have to bear witness of myself. John bore witness of me. You remember the witness of John? Um, in John chapter one, he says, uh, "This is my beloved. This is um, this is the Lamb of God. That behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." And then he told his disciples that the one who sent me baptizing me told me, "Wherever I see that the Spirit comes upon like a dove, it is he who shall baptize the Holy Ghost, and that is the Lamb of God." So John bore witness to him. Then Jesus says, I don't even need the witness of man. But for your sakes, there's the witness of man. Then it goes on to say that in verse 35, it was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. The works which the Father has given me to do, the very works that I do, bear witness of the fact that the Father sent me. What is the work that he accomplished? Listen, here, what Jesus was talking about has not, really was not about what he was doing while he was among them. It was, it was what he was going to do. That is, he was going to accomplish what the Father had given him to accomplish. Hence, the works that he did bore witness of the fact that the father sent him now obviously that by implication or by inclusion that includes all the things he did while he was on earth the miracles are all the healings the raising of the dead all of those things were pointers to the fact that god had sent him but at even more that's where hebrews chapter one comes in hebrews in chapter one from verse two and three and from the te- from verse one two three and four where he calls the son the inheritor of the things that were said by the prophets in sundry times and diverse manners all right so that is vital that jesus says that the works that he would do would bear witness of him but he goes on to say that and verse 37 and the father himself who has sent me has testified hold on hold on has testified of me not the father will testify the father has testified of me he says you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe now the question is where and how did the father testify of the son that's the question because it says the father test- has testified of me then he goes on to say in verse 39 you search the scriptures and okay KJV puts it as such the scriptures but this is a very proper correct translation you search the scriptures for in them you think that you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me so hold on the scriptures are the oracles of god in romans and chapter three in romans and chapter three paul says what advantage are the jew then he says much in every way it says chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of god romans in chapter three from verse one and two and three it says verse one and two what advantage then are the jew or what is what is the prophet of circumcision much in every way chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of god in other words the jews had the word of god then he said but what if some did not believe would their unbelief make the faithfulness of god without effect that is god is faithful in the things that he has said that are documented in the scriptures so the scriptures are the testimony of god the scriptures are the testimony of god about his son or should i say the scriptures contain the testimony of god about his son that's a proper way to put it the scriptures contain the testimony of god about his son so go back to john chapter 9 and hear the words of jesus so jesus says "You said to the scriptures for in them you think that you would have eternal life but they are they these are they which testify of me but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life the scriptures listen to this now the scriptures therefore point us to life in christ i'll say that again what you will find in the scriptures genesis to malachi by inclusion matthew to revelation it is the teaching that first of all to the man that has not the life grants life in christ and then to the man that has the life that grants on under- the he grants understanding about that life in christ you remember when we said initially that salvation is not just to get the man saved believe the gospel we said salvation includes training and nurturing the man we said we saw it in titus in chapter 2 where paul told titus that the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation and teaching us to deny so the grace of god that saved us from the wrath of god like we always like to say i know i hope you know that the word of god is figurative right maybe some other time we'll look at that but the grace of god that saves us from wrath to come that saves us from the condemnation of our sins the grace of god that saves us from the from our sins and the effect of our sins that grace of god also teaches us in other words we can say that a man listen to this a man has not understood the grace of god if he's still living the way he lived before he believed the gospel of jesus a man has not come to value understand and treasure the grace of god if he lives the way he lived before he believed the gospel of jesus or worse still if his lifestyle does not improve as a result of the new life that he has received do you understand this so the scriptures contain the testimony of the father so god spoke in the scriptures and god in the scriptures points us to his son are you following this so let's go back let's keep reading then it says it says in verse 41 i do not receive the honor from men but i know you that you not you do not have the love of god in you I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me if another comes in his own name him you will receive how can you believe you receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only god do not think that i shall accuse you to the father pay attention here. there is one who accuses you moses in whom you trust for if you believe moses you would believe me for he wrote about me but if you do not believe his writings how would you believe my words now this portion of the scriptures as often the misinterpreted to mean that Moses is an accuser and Jesus is a savior you know that Moses stands to accuse while Jesus stands to deliver the accused and that's often because we we give because of our our use of words in the English language where in the English language one word Almost always means the very same thing everywhere, except in various times but it's not even always like that. So you see, this word, this statement, doesn't mean that Moses stands before God in heaven and is accusing the Jews or the Pharisees or the Sadducees. That doesn't that's that doesn't apply that. What this means rather is that their refusal to believe Moses has become to them an accusation. I'll take that again. What this means is that their refusal, Look at what he. Look at what he says again. He says, "Do not think I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom." So Moses is not standing before God. What does he mean by Moses, in whom you trust? These folks were folks who believed the writings of Moses, as it were. Quote unquote they believe the writings of moses they treasure the torah in fact to to date in israel the torah the five books of moses what we call the Pentateuch, or the five books of moses called the torah the torah is one of the most revered books in israel today in fact did i say most the most revered book actually Uh, the jews still practice judaism with the torah of moses somehow without the sacrifices i don't understand how they are practicing Judaism, the practice, the law of Moses without the sacrifices. I don't know what they're doing, but they do that. <laughs> they do that. But see, my point is, Jesus says that Moses, the writings, because if you read the the scriptures, you'll find out that if you if you go through the if you go to the the the, the four gospels, you find that Moses is often used interchangeably with the law right with his right and so it's fine the law of moses or moses all right use interchangeably so when he says moses in whom you trust it doesn't mean moses that you trust that you think is for you is against you is standing against you in heaven but me i'm your guy that's not what it means it actually means that they have not believed moses and so that unbelief is standing against them let me remind you of something jesus once said That every idle word that a man says will be judged, right? That every word, that the words that we say will be used against us or for us in judgment. Now, what does that mean? In essence, how does a man get saved is the first question. A man gets saved by believing the gospel of Jesus. Good stuff. What's the, how does that happen? He hears it, he believes it in his heart, Romans 10, 8 to 10, he says it with his mouth. What happens when a man doesn't believe the gospel? He also says it. With his mouth. So his confession now either accuses him or justifies him. Come on, (laughs) do you get that? The word that he had now either becomes one that justifies him or one that accuses him. So Moses is used to refer to the writings of Moses. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, Moses in whom you curse. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote about me. Look at that. Jesus says, if you the Moses that you read, the writings of Moses that you read, if you believe the writings of Moses, you would have believed me. Because Moses wrote of me. In other words, when I read Genesis to Deuteronomy, when I read that, and I'm reading Moses basically, I should realize that the end goal of the writing of Moses is to the end that the people that were listening to him. Would believe on the Christ. That's what it means. It says, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me because he wrote of me. So the writings of Moses, the many things Moses wrote, listen to this. The many things Moses wrote, Moses wrote to the end that the man who listened and read him would reach salvation through faith in Christ. I say that again. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 3 thank you lord jesus second corinthians in chapter 3. when moses is read the veil is still in their hearts i'll start reading from verse verse 12. therefore since we have such great hope we use great boldness of speech unlike moses Who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away? So it looked like Moses, an evil guy, Moses covered his face. But no, 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 keep reading. It It says, But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Nevertheless, verse 15 rather, but even to this day, when Moses is read, you see, Moses is read. How do you read Moses, the writings? When Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. So Moses, Paul says, when they read Moses, there's a veil over their heart He says that veil is not lifted away, even when they read what is what they call what is called the Old Testament books. That veil is still there in their hearts. He says that veil is taken away in Christ. Then he goes on to say, even to that day. When Moses is where, the veil is still upon your heart. Nevertheless, verse 16, When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Where is the veil before? The veil was in their hearts, in their minds. Look at verse 14. But their minds were blinded. Look at verse Look at verse. It says, "For unto this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading." In verse fifteen, but to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. So their understanding, their minds, their hearts is where the veil is, not in the writings of Moses. The writings of Moses is not the veil. The writings of Moses do not contain a veil, but the heart and the disposition of the people to the writings of Moses is the veil. The veil is their hearts. The veil is rather upon the their hearts. The veil is in their understanding. The veil is not in what Moses wrote. So Moses did not write to accuse the people, but the veil upon their hearts meant that what Moses wrote for justification became a tool for accusation. Oh, come on. Did you get that? Moses did not write to accuse, but because of the veil upon their hearts, What Moses wrote became a tool for accusation. So, he says, Jesus says, Moses accuses you. That is, your unbelief in Moses is so clear that now, if you say, I believe Moses, Moses says, you don't believe me. (laughs) Do you understand? You say, I believe the writings of Moses, but Moses, who wrote those books, and the writings themselves, do not agree that you believe them. That's what Jesus says, for if you believed Moses. In other words, you say you trust Moses, that is, you believe the writings. If you believe the writings you believe me for moses wrote of me in other words the writings of moses are pointers to the christ and his work if i can say like this the work of moses was a pointer to the christ and his work the writings of moses are pointers to christ and his work i told you the last time that as moses took out the people from egypt to canaan and then Part of his work was to take Egypt out of the people. The same way Christ takes us from the dominion of the kingdom of darkness and casts us us into his own kingdom. And then now, now that we are in his kingdom, a work is ongoing in our hearts by the same spirit of God that took us out of the kingdom of darkness. That work is to take the kingdom of darkness out of our hearts, to renew our minds, like we call it, right? To renew our minds, to renew our minds, to clear our consciences, to steady our hearts, to encourage our lives, or our hearts rather, in the will and the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. You must understand that Moses is not Antichrist, Moses wrote of him. Paul says, until this day, the veil remains on your heart, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Where is the veil taken away? In your heart. What are destiny still reading? Moses. Do you understand this? Look at this, look at this, look at this. Now, but now, but now, where the, now the Lord is the Spirit, verse 17 or Second Corinthians 3, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we are with unveiled face. So now we are, we've lifted up the veil from our hearts. So now our faces are unveiled. We are with unveiled face. Beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the lord in other words what god intended let me let me show you this what god intended was as moses face lit up with glory when it comes to the people the people were supposed to receive his word and their faces because they believed in the things he said their faces also will now begin to glow it would have been that from the face of moses the radiation would extend to their faces but the unbelief in their hearts meant that they did not receive that radiation. Rather, they ran away. They ah, ah, why is Moses' face aglow? So Moses began to cover his face as a reflection of what was in the heart and on the heart of the people. So the veil on the face of Moses was a, was a figure of speech to show that the hearts of the people were not receptive to the word of God. Then what does Paul say? Paul says, even to this day, the veil is still on your hearts. He says, nevertheless. When one turns to the Lord, you find out that the veil that was on his heart when he read Moses is taken away. Jesus gives meaning to the writings of Moses. Do you understand this? Jesus is the ear, the one who inherits all the things that Moses said. The one who inherited all the sayings of the prophets, all the saints of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Abakim, Obadiah, Nahum, Hamos, Zephaniah, Zechariah the branch is the branch is the rod from the from the root of Jesse is is the the prince of peace and we go on and on and on he is is the servant of the lord that will bring righteousness is the right hand of the lord that does wondrous things he is praise god so the sayings the writings of moses the writings of the prophets the psalms everything has like everything like comes upon all of them the moment i turn to christ the moment i say okay I recognize that this book has Christ at the center. Even though Jesus is not mentioned anywhere. Even though Christ is maybe mentioned a few times in the Hebrew. Mizar. Yet this book has Christ as the focus. So I'm going to read this book knowing that Christ is the message, the intent, the purpose, the reason why all of this was written. Look at at John and chapter 1 as I start to close. John and chapter 1. Christ is the one that brings all of it together. Christ is the center of the scriptures. The scriptures are crystal centered Like we like to say, Christ centered. Christ centered. John in chapter one. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll start with him from verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. Hold on. I have two minutes to do this. So I'm just going to see what do what I can do. If you have a good rendering in KJV or NKJV, you realize that but is italicized. Italicized words were added by translators to the end that they can to, to give a clearer understanding of that portion because the, it didn't make sense in the English. But if you look at it without the but, it says the law was given by Moses, grace and truth came through jesus christ the law that moses gave is the grace and truth that came through jesus because john chapter 5 jesus tells us moses wrote of him so what did moses write in the law grace and truth that came by jesus what happens when a man does not receive the grace and truth that comes by jesus his heart would the veil remain upon his heart so in mark 16 Hold on, hold on. Mark sixteen. I said this was the last portion we we're going to read, but I, I need you to see this. Mark sixteen. Jesus says, "Go into the world, preach the gospel to all the, every creature." Verse sixteen. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So, in the preaching of the gospel, the man that believes the gospel is saved. The man who does not believe is condemned. In the law of Moses, the one who believes the writings of Moses concerning the Christ, the veil is taken away. The one who does not believe. The veil remains upon his heart, and so from the writings of Moses, men have found faith in the writings of Moses. Faith was taught, so Moses is not Antichrist. Are you is this is this clear? Moses wrote of Christ. The law of Moses is the teaching of the grace and truth that Jesus brought. Jesus is not anti-Moses. moses It's not anti-Jesus. Don't forget that the month of transfiguration, Moses showed up. If Moses was anti-Jesus, Moses would not. If Jesus was anti- Moses, that would not happen. Moses showed up. You know why? Because Moses spoke of the Christ. The scriptures, the writings are about Christ. Till the next time.